Welcome to the FCC Podcast. Hear all the stories, worship, and teaching from Sunday service. Want to connect with us or learn more about FCC? Visit us at FCCETown.com.
Grace that brought me to the fold of God.
got a hand of applause this morning. Well, we kind of come to the end of our um, uh, series that we're calling that follow thing. And as we do that, we have been digging down on what it means to follow Jesus and what it looks like to follow Jesus and all the different parts of what it is to follow Jesus because following Jesus is beyond just this moment that we're in right now. And so we, we talked for a couple of weeks about worship in different ways. And one of the ways we talked about worship is this thing that we're doing right now, this moment that we're in right now all together where we come together and we gain momentum by being together as we listen together, pray together, uh, take communion together, as we sing together. All of that is kind of building up our faith. And for some of us, uh, it is this moment that we enjoy because it, it refreshes us after the week that we've had. For others of us, it is kind of a, a fuel for the week that is ahead. And so whatever that case is, this is a great moment and it is part of following Jesus. Then we also talked about another kind of worship. Worship that Jesus showed us and modeled for us. Worship where we uh, kind of get alone with God and we get away from everyone else and we spend time in solitude, in prayer, uh, when, when you look to Jesus and the model that he gave of this is the, the many times he went into the wilderness, the times he went into the mountains, the time that he got away from everybody, sometimes at night, sometimes in the morning, sometimes in the middle of the afternoon, and he would find the time uh, to pray and to engage scripture. And, and so he, he told us that that's, that's something that's necessary for our life that is part of us following his lead. And he asked us to build that into our life and into the way that we live in uh, following him. But then we spent a couple of weeks talking about a gathering that is somewhere between this moment that we're in right now where we're all sitting in rows together and we're, we're kind of building uh, with all of us together and that time when we are all by ourselves just alone with God, kind of in between that are these communities where we are face to face with one another, where, 
we find that there's safety that's there, and we find that there's encouragement that's there, and we find there's comfort there, we find that there's challenge there. We find that those are communities where it's okay to ask questions, and those are communities where it's okay to kind of put out thoughts and ideas and get feedback from other people and then bring it back to Scripture and see how it all goes together. And we call those communities around here life groups, and being a part of a life group is part of following Jesus. And then last week, we looked at another component of the church, and, and we looked at the component of life, of following Jesus that is all about giving and all about generosity. And so much of the advancement of the gospel, of the good news around the, the community and around the world, and so much of sharing Jesus happens through the collective generosity that's here. It happens because of your generosity. But that giving that we do, and the actual act of, of giving, of, of being generous, of tithing, there is a transformation that happens in us when we do that. And we said it last week, it turns out that, that giving is good for you. Giving is good for you because giving is part of following Jesus. And so today, we kind of finish these broad stroke moments of what it means to follow Jesus. And this last component that we're gonna look at is, is significant to us in the church right now, right where we are in history. And I'll try and kind of flesh that out real quickly. Right now, we are in the midst of hitting the reboot button after all that has transpired in the world over the last 18 months. And as we have done that, we have been kind of flipping switches in, in a certain sequence, in a certain order, in so many different parts of church to bring us back together. And to some degree, that the sequence of those switches matters. You go all the way back to March of 2020. It's a time that not many of us want to talk about. But in March 2020, we went from a fully functioning church with all the wheels spinning and turning and moving exactly as, as the Holy Spirit had designed it and as we'd been kind of functioning to a complete stop for a moment. And then 36 hours later, we were able to kind of be back together for this experience, except quite differently, as this experience happened on computer screens and TV screens. And we started figuring out how to give online and we started gathering with our life groups um, in Zoom meetings. Okay, and all of us are tired of Zoom meetings now, but at the time it was kind of this thing that we didn't know how to do, but we were trying to figure out how to do it. To the point that if you'll remember this, we would gather in Zoom meetings and if we, if we met for more than 40 minutes, Zoom would kick us off and we didn't know what to do, but then we figured out that we could all just jump right back onto the same link and you could continue on and so all of us were too cheap to buy our Zoom memberships. We just kind of went with the free thing and kept going. But we figured out how to do those things. We didn't know how to do them, but we, we, we trusted in our flexibility and we trusted in our ability to adapt and to pivot in that moment. Did we do it perfectly? No, or maybe yes, I don't know. This is not something that there was a blueprint for. It's not something that any of us had done before. None of us had lived through that moment, and so we were flying blind into it. But over the past six months, we have tried to reboot some of those activities in a far more familiar way. 
And as we did, we were flipping switches in much the same sequence that we see happening in the first century church. And so, here's what that next step of the reboot is for us right here, right now, at this point in history. And it's not a small part of what it means to follow Jesus. Here's how the book of Ephesians describes it for us. It says, so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. That's an important part of who we are as followers of Jesus. In the New Living Translation, it says that the pastors and the teachers and the evangelists and the prophets, that that, that all of them were brought together by God. And then it says their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and to build up the church, the body of Christ. The church was not designed to be a theater that people just walked into and sat down and consumed. Just give me stuff and I'll take it all in and then I'll leave. That's not the church. That's not following Jesus. Now, I do think that there is kind of an, uh, an immediate part that is exactly like that, kind of an introductory level where we're kind of experimenting and understanding of faith. We're trying to learn about church. And as we're doing that, yes, we come and we sit and we take in and we consume. But eventually, it's about participating. And when you go back to the scripture that we just looked at, shame on us as leaders if we are not equipping and releasing people to participate and to serve. And at this point in history, that is exactly where we are. It is the reboot of participation. But don't miss the why. Why is it that we're supposed to participate? Why is it that we're not supposed to just come and sit and and consume? Why is it that we're supposed to to, to do works of service in the name of Jesus? Why is that part of following Jesus? Well, it actually says it right there in the verse. It says it's to build up the church, the body of Christ. Let me unpack that all the way. Because this phrase right here, the body of Christ, this comment right here, the church, that that means a lot of different things to me. And I think that the many definitions of the body of Christ are all correct and they are all important. First of all, when we talk about the body of Christ, when we talk about the church, it means you. And I don't mean you, it means you individually. And when we serve, when you serve, you are built up. Okay, this is actually a, a, a physiological reality that's told to the church 2,000 years ago. Okay, it's told to the church, hey, this is part of what you were designed to do is that you were to be equipped for service, works of service in the church so the body, including you, is built up because it's good for you. Now, all these years later, we have research to prove it. Psychiatrist uh, Ava Ritvo writes this, and I'm probably gonna get these terms wrong and forgive me if I do, but she says, helping others triggers a release of oxytocin, which has the effect of boosting your mood and counteracts the effects of uh, cortisol, the, the dreaded stress hormone. Interestingly, 
the higher your levels of oxytocin, the more you want to help others. And when oxytocin is boosted, so are serotonin and dopamine. And we've heard those terms. We've heard this chemistry stuff talked about, especially in the last 18 months, as we've been paying attention to emotional health and, and mental health. These are chemicals in our body. And, and it's great that she put it in those complicated terms that I can't pronounce, but here's what it means. Helping others helps you. And when we serve in the kingdom of God, it builds you individually, personally, up as part of the body of Christ. And that is a legitimate purpose for serving. It's not a selfish purpose for serving. It is a legitimate purpose of serving for you are the body of Christ. And your heart is built up when you serve. Now here's what Paul was telling the church at Corinth about the value of the heart as we serve and as we participate. He says this, if I could speak all the languages of earth and, and of angels, but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy, and if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains but didn't love others, I'd be nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it, but if I didn't love others, get this, I would have gained nothing. So pay attention to that. Because there was something personal something individual for Paul to gain by participating, by serving, by being involved in works of service. Now, how many times have we helped someone? Maybe it was a neighbor, maybe it was a friend, maybe it was someone in our family, and we helped them, and, and, and it, it fixed the problem that they were having, and we felt good about that. How many times has it happened in church? Maybe you're part of guest services and, and you were able to kind of just wave to somebody and say good morning to someone as they were walking in and they kind of had that sour face as they walked in and then you said hello and the smile came across their face and something felt good about that. When we help someone feel comforted, when we help someone relax in an uncomfortable situation, there is something that feels good about helping others, and that's right, and that's normal. There is a wonderful gain for us personally when we serve, when we help, when we volunteer. And that's part of the body of Christ being built up. It's you being built up when you serve. But it's not only you who are built up in the body of Christ, because the body of Christ is also we. And it's that we are built up when you serve. Now this gets to the, the moment of sequence that we find ourselves in right now. Back to the book of Acts. The, the beginnings of the church, the first day of the church, it's a miraculous day. 3,000 men were baptized on the first day of the church. And then a few verses later, it tells us, and the Lord added to their number daily, okay? Not weekly, not every Sunday, not every month, but daily, there were people being added to the church as people were being saved on a daily basis. And just to kind of build that 
understanding, we get over to Acts chapter 4, which is about two years into the lifespan of the church. And we're told at that point that there are 5,000 men who are part of the church in Acts chapter 4. And that's not including the women and children who are part of the church. I mean, this is incredible growth that's happening there at the church in Jerusalem. It's amazing work by the Holy Spirit. And while that's going on, the, the, the apostles are teaching, and the apostles are preaching, and the apostles are training people, and all the people are getting together in one another's homes, and they're meeting together with glad and sincere hearts, and they're breaking bread together, and they're having meals together, and, and each one of them selling stuff and giving to the apostles, and the apostles are giving it out to people who are in need. It's happening all over the place. And the church is growing. And the church grows so rapidly that it grows beyond the range of the apostles. And people start getting missed. And people start getting overlooked. We learn in Acts chapter six that there's a moment in Acts chapter six when there was some complaining going on in the church because they had a food program that was part of the church and there were people who were being overlooked, people who were being missed. They weren't getting their food. They had gotten their food in the past, but now they weren't getting it anymore. And so the apostles looked around and they made a decision. Acts chapter six, verses two through four, here's the decision that they made. It says, so the 12 called a meeting of all the believers. Okay, that's all the followers, all the people who are doing this following thing as best as they know at the time. And they said to them, we apostles should spend our time teaching the word of God, not running a food program. And so brothers, select seven men who are well-respected and are full of the spirit and wisdom, we will give them this responsibility and then we apostles can spend our time in prayer and teaching the word. So here they are, after all that has taken place, and we go back and we remember what Paul says in Ephesians chapter four that we just looked at a moment ago. The responsibility of the leaders is to equip God's people for works of service. And as the people of God are equipped for works of service, they begin to participate. And that's what was going on here at the beginning of Acts chapter six. And what happens is it makes us, us, the body of Christ, more complete. Serving and volunteering is not just about you feeling better. It's about us being better, us functioning better, us getting more and more and more done. You see, the church is actually the greatest example of the term synergy. Now, synergy is a, a kind of a mainstay word now in, in business communities, but synergy actually started as a farming word. Okay, but, but here's what synergy means. Here's the definition that goes with it. It's the interaction or cooperation of two or more organizations, substances, or other agents to produce a combined effect that's greater than some of their separate effects, which is a bunch of words that make it into a business thing, okay? But remember, it started with farming. And here's what it was basically saying, is that when you've got oxen, and you have one ox, I'm gonna get this right, one ox, one ox can do so much work, but if you have two oxen, yeah, if you have two oxen, and they're separately doing work, they can do the same amount of work just times two, right? But when you take the oxen, 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 and you put them together, they do far more work together than they each would do separately. 
And so the oxen got a yoke over each ox neck in the oxen group, and they do their thing. Synergy. It is what the church is best at. We are better and better and better the more and more and more of us participate. Over the past 18 months, we have had to hit pause on so many ministries and so many activities that some amazing folks were doing and participating in. Just as a for instance, we have this this awesome benevolence ministry. And this benevolence ministry provides a meal for people who are going through grief, who are going through a, a funeral time. And there was about a year over these last 18 months where that benevolence ministry had to hit pause and just had to stop completely. We had a, a creative team that we had put together at the front part of 2020. It was a creative team that was coming together to, to think through um, how to, to kind of uh, add to our in-person worship experiences, but then our in-person worship experiences uh, stopped for a time, and as they did, that team got abandoned. Our guest service folks, the thing that they love to do is stand out there and, and greet people and help people get to where they're supposed to go, and, and, and they're out there with their green shirts on, and, and they're there every single Sunday, but for three months, they weren't there because there weren't people that were coming in the doors. And there weren't people to direct it to different places. And the hundreds of people who were participating in service, who were being part of the works of service happening around here at First Christian Church was shaved down to a handful for just a little while and then slowly increased. But in that time, we lost our habits and we lost our rhythms, and we lost our momentum of participation, and we hurt because of it. See, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 27 makes it really, really clear. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is part of it. You are part of we, and we are built up when you serve as a follower of Jesus. And so the body of Christ, the church, means that you are built up, and it means that we are built up when we serve. But it also means that it is built up when we serve, and it means the mission, the church, the, the movement that is all about making more disciples, that is all about leading people closer to Jesus. Now go back to Acts chapter six. When the apostles did what I think was probably very difficult for the apostles to do, very painful for the apostles to do, when they decided that they had grown to a point that they were gonna have to give some things up and they were gonna have to hand over some responsibilities to other people to do, when they had come to the conclusion that they were going to let other people do what they had been participating in for maybe six years at that point, 
It was difficult to do, and I don't think they counted on the result. Because sometimes we get to a place where we honestly believe that nobody else can do what we do. We get to a place where we think that it would actually be a bigger struggle and far more time-consuming to try and help somebody else know what I know, somebody else in on the details that I have in my head, someone else understand the information that I understand about this particular project. It would be far more difficult and a struggle to, to have them do what I do, and they probably wouldn't do it as well, and we get that in our head, and that's not arrogance. It's short-sightedness. Because, see, here's what happened at the church. 2,000 years ago, Acts chapter 6, the apostles do a very painful thing and hand off some of what they do so that others can participate, so that others can be a part and, and lead that food program that's going on. And in Acts chapter 6, verse 7, we skip over this a lot because we want to get on to other things as we're reading through Acts. But here's the verse that follows. It says, so the word of God spread, and the number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. To this point, there had already been amazing things happening in the church. The church started on day one with 3,000 people getting baptized. And then the, the, later on, a couple of verses later, it tells us that the Lord added to their number daily. We're told that in Acts chapter four that the group was 5,000 strong, not including women and children. That's crazy growth that's going on. That's the Holy Spirit working through the church. But in Acts chapter six, the participation starts taking place. Other people start getting involved and they serve and they volunteer and, and don't miss the, the language that's in that verse. It says, the number of disciples increased rapidly. Now that's not increased rapidly according to our background. Okay? It is in connection to the context. Okay? It increased rapidly from what they had already seen. Okay, when you compare it to what had happened in the church all the way through Acts chapter five, now it picks up speed. The mission starts being fulfilled faster and faster and faster as more and more people begin to participate. And, and it's quite clear that, that not only does the speed of the mission pick up pace, but we also see the power of the mission going up. See, Luke found that it was important to tell us that there were large numbers of priests who became part of the church who became followers of Jesus. Now the priests, they were part of the Pharisees. They were part of the Sadducees. They were part of the spiritual leaders who were doing everything they could for six years to shut the church down. You can go back and read this later, but Acts chapter four and Acts chapter five, both of them have instances where different apostles are imprisoned and, and they're brought on trial because the spiritual leaders are doing everything they can to stop the body of Christ, and then the moment that other people beyond the leaders start doing and start volunteering and start serving, the mission accelerates and the impact gets deeper. 
or we're to that part of the sequence of rebooting the church around here. And when that happens, here's what it looks like. It means that you are built up and it means that, that we are built up and it means that, that it, the mission, is built up when you serve. So if you were serving in some way before the pandemic, we need you to flip the switch. And you need, and we need, and the mission needs you to participate again. Maybe it was tech ministry, or maybe it was kid town. Maybe you were part of guest services, or, or, or maybe you were part of communion prep. Maybe you were part of outside grounds. Maybe you were part of our student ministry. And during that time, we hit pause. But you haven't come back. Your participation is an opportunity for you. It's an opportunity for us. It is an opportunity for the mission. And it's time to flip the switch. To call up that ministry leader that used to send you emails all the time, to call up that ministry leader that you used to kind of check in with and make sure that you were kind of serving this week or serving this month or however that used to work for you, it's time to call them back and say, okay, I'm back in. I'm really ready to follow my leader again. Now, maybe you're here and you haven't participated with us before. Maybe you've become part of a First Christian here in the last 18 months, or maybe you had just kind of started before uh, everything went haywire, and, and so it's, it's to that time that you're saying, okay, maybe what does it look like for me to not come and just consume, but it, it's part of me participating. What does that look like, and how do I do that? Well, it's this simple, but we've made it as simple as we could think to make it. If you have the app on your phone, and if you don't have the app, it is so easy to find whatever store you use, you can go to it and put FCC Elizabethtown, and it'll bring up the app. You've got the app, go to the app, brings up a whole bunch of buttons, and one of the buttons says volunteer. It's got a bunch of hands raised in the air. You click on the volunteer button, the very first thing that you can choose is volunteer at FCC. It's a little form that asks you for your name, your phone number, and your email. And then below that, there is this list of all the different places where you can serve. And in fact, it's not even an exhaustive list, but I went through and I counted. There are 64 different things on that list that you can say, hey, I'd like to find out more about that. And you can click all the ones that you're interested in where you want to participate, or at least find out if you can participate there. And then send that on its way, and there's people that are going to get in touch with you and let you know about that information. Again, you're not signing up for life by doing that, but that's how you can get in to participate. Because for you and for us and for the mission, participation is a follow thing. And when it comes to the body of Christ and when it comes to the church, it is you individually and it is us collectively and it is the mission that we have been given by our master, our teacher, and our savior that is built up 
when you serve. So it's time to participate. It's time to flip that switch. It's time to hit the reboot button for you. Because it turns out that participation is a follow thing. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, uh, we thank you for the church. We thank you for the forgiveness that you offer us. We thank you for the, the fellowship that you provide for us through your church. But we thank you that you didn't design your community here to be a, a place that is purely for consumption, but that it is something that you have designed that we might all participate, that we might all be involved, and that we might all serve, that we might all use the gifts that you have given us, the talents that you have given us, the time that you have given us to make a difference in our community, to build up the body of Christ, that the body of Christ might be on mission of making more and more disciples, of leading people closer to Jesus. God, we thank you for the example that we find in Jesus Christ. His example of service, his example of sacrifice that taught us over and over and over again what it means to help others until we saw it in its full completed form on the cross. And we thank you for his death and his resurrection and we thank you for his forgiveness and his grace. And it is in his name that we pray. Amen. I'm going to ask you to stand with me this morning. If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus as the leader of your life, as, as the forgiver of your sins, today can be a day that you say yes to Jesus. His grace that he extends was meant for you no matter who you are, no matter what you've done. And today can be a day that you say yes to that grace that he is offering you and you're baptized today. Or, or maybe you've been through that process before but you wanna be a part of a family, part of a community that is seeking to lean into the leadership of our Lord and we're following him and we'd love to have you with us. And so we invite you, if you have a decision to make this morning in either way to walk right down these aisles here in just a moment as we sing together, but the rest of us have an opportunity, an opportunity to worship, an opportunity to come together with our voices and, and, and gain momentum with each other as we worship our Lord and our Savior. We lift up his name and we praise him for all that he has done and the blessings that he has poured out on us. May this be a time that we truly lift up our voices to him.
Changed and I was made by 